welcome to the Workplace Warrior Podcast, where we have people from around the world share with you their journey to expand human consciousness and bring evolution to our modern day workplace, where the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. With every warrior's journey, there's always a beginning to the story. Greg, can you share with us where your workplace warrior journey first began? Oh my goodness, there are so many starts and stops and beginnings and ends in the current iteration of my life and how I'm serving humanity. Um, it began in 2000, in the summer of 2013, I had to make a shift. I already had my own business and I was doing local kind of subcontracting work with training companies and speaking. Um, and in 2000, middle of 2013, what my main client was like, hey, we can't pay you anymore. You're going to have to do something different. And I'd already had some things ramped up to do more keynote. And I was in a consulting project right then. And so June, July of 2013, I said, okay, we've got a few more months. And then I'll have things set up to be on my own. So January 2014, the first Hawks Agency website came online. And I sent out frantic messages to everyone that Christmas before. Hey, I'm on my own. Help, you help me. Help me. Connect me with people. Invite me somewhere. And uh, so it's been a pretty fun ride the last five and a half years. Going on six in this iteration. That's awesome. And so what kind of steered you towards uh, doing what you currently do when you talk about and try to help educate people about workplace culture, try to advance our thinking about workplace culture? You know, I, um, I have a, a heart. I feel like my calling is to lift lives. And so I, I've really been fortunate in my professional career, honestly, my entire adult life to get to kind of do my life in a way that I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose on earth. And in the marketplace, the way I've been serving the last, uh, you know, five, six years, it, it just has proven out that when you, when you go macro, like the environment of an organization, how being mindful about impacting it has a residual effect on everyone involved. So I don't do like personal coaching. A lot of people who are kind of in the space I'm in do coaching or um, those kind of one-on-one -on -one elements. And I'm like, ah, I like one-on-one. -on -one. I like people generally speaking, but I, I think the bang for buck, if I can work with leadership, I can work with organizations and, and help them really shape an environment, then it has an impact on everyone across the board. And so, so I'm, I'm a bang for buck kind of guy, I guess, and, and looking at, Hey, if I'm going to spend my days these ways, how, how do I think I can have the most um, benefit to humanity uh, in, in the efforts that I make. So that's, that's kind of how I've really been kind of intentional about targeting culture in organizations because I can, I can reach the most people that way. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So you, um, I recently heard you talk a little bit about kind of your, your most recent thinking about what it is or how you kind of approach it. I thought it was really a unique way to think about it. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about uh, what your most recent definition yeah, of culture is? Absolutely, man. It's, uh, I am, I actually love it. And I'm like, I don't know why we haven't been talking about it in this way before, but describing culture as the HOS, as the human operating system, because we all use phones that have operating system. We all have computers use operating system. And the idea that, you know, and I don't know how it works underneath, but I access it from the top. And that's what happens in a work environment. People come in and they're like, oh, I like this place. I just, you know, there's things and there's way people, we treat each other, talk about each other. There's a development or there's a commitment to our personal growth or there's a healthy dialogue where people can be candid and direct. And, you know, and all those things are, are, the, are the environment that people are working in. That is this, op- this is how we operate. And, you know, over the last year or two, People, uh, whether on LinkedIn or kind of in the Twitter sphere, have had some have ferocious conversations, debate about culture fit and if culture fits a good idea or a bad idea, and that that should be. And they have all these other phrases for it. And, and I I tend to like a flavor, um, but even more so the idea that just because you have an app that works on your iOS or the same with computers, that they work on an operant, one operating system and they don't on another. It's not like you say, hey, I'm going to take, take an Android app and put it on, IO, on an Apple phone and I'm going to make the Apple phone better because of it. So it's kind of the same thing with culture. It's like just because you're able to have clarity and describe here's who really functions well in this environment. So the way I say it is, and I don't know anything about coding. I don't know anything about computers. But when when organizations and team leaders are go on the journey of discovering their values and putting language to that, it's like the coding that takes place to create the operating system for people to function in that, that are going to work well in that environment. You know, they, they used to, and they still do like on my Mac, there are things that where you can uh, import, not import, where you can kind of put over it like a, a PC interface and you can load and it's a little clunky and it's kind of slower and it does it sort of, you know, it's kind of like saying, Hey, look, just put, just get your, uh, you know, your office for Mac and it's designed to work in that system. So I, I like the idea of, because then when we talk about updates on, you know, no, when we talk about upda- hardware updates and software updates in a workplace, it lets people have a continual mindset of growth and, um, that when people, you know, resist change or they don't really resist change, but they, they are fearful of what that change could bring. It's, you know, having that correlation or that analogy can be real reassuring that, Hey, it's, it's, it's for our best that we're growing and, you know, healthy things grow, growing things change. And so as we get a new piece of hardware, you know, we, move to a new location or we merge and acquire and we're kind of bolting on, adding on. Don't be fearful. It's just going to be a, an extension or even a new kind of device. 
and or with the software, you know, it's like how we have updates. If you have iOS, you're like, holy smokes, we've got 13, 13.1, 13.11, 13.12, 13.2, 13.2. You know, it's like, what the heck? But it's like, hey, we're learning. We're putting these things out. Stuff needs to adjust. Let's let's be that nimble within our workplaces and the environment is what enables that. So yeah, so I yeah. dig that. I dig that analogy. And I and I think people get it because we work in it every day anyhow. And so it's just like, this is how we function in this place based on the values. I mean, it all goes back to the coding that what's you know embedded beneath the surface and what you don't see is all this uh, information that's making it so we can all function in a healthy way. That's what our values do. That's what, you know, defined behaviors enable in a workplace. So, yeah, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a way that people can talk about it and be much more intentional because every place has a culture. It's just the, are we talking about it? Are we intentionally uh, inserting ourselves into benefiting from who we are as an organization? And so, using that terminology, I think is useful. I think that's so innovative. It's just fantastic because the world today, I don't, I mean, maybe I just say this and it makes me feel old saying this, but uh, it seems like the world today is so fascinated by everything technology, maybe because it's just iterating so quickly and uh, it's all the stuff that we've heard over decades and decades is going to be coming. And now the future is now, you know, this artificial intelligence and robots and all this stuff is, is finally coming here, but there's such a fascination with this. I have a friend who's a, uh, in the um, uh, manufacturing space, he like he's the president of a, a association of like manufacturers, and he says, "Devin, you know what? When I want to talk anything about um, about uh, technology, I can fill a room. If there's anything else I want to talk about, it's a little bit harder. You know, there's just such a fascination with this topic. So I think using the language of today." That resonates with everybody because anybody, even if they're not a technology person, still understands what that means because that's how much technology is like integrated in our lives nowadays, you know? So it's, it's just a beautiful way. I think of like calling, using the same language to call something else. that's really important in our, in our organizations um, to make it more translatable, to make it more popular, just like technology is. I think that's a really innovative way to uh, approach it. So it's fantastic. So you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think are the kind of the defining factors about a functional or good or healthy human operating system? And then what are some descriptions of, or something that someone could visually think like, is our operating system really functioning the way that it should? What do you think of the differences between a, a pretty great one and it's running well, and maybe one that really needs some tune up? Well, um, you know, trust is, is kind of central to all human relations. And in an organization, it's, it's a pivotal, it's not, it's not usually a value, but it's kind of the embedded uh, element that if we don't have it, then our communication, because I'll, I'll work with organizations and they'll regularly say, you know, we have communication challenges. And I'm like, yeah, you don't really have communication challenges. You have trust issues because people either will or won't say things directly or they won't confront uh, authority or people have, you know, so so to go back to the macro, uh, you know, healthy cultures, a healthy operating system is one where people have thick trust, which then has this ability to absorb difficult conversations, candidness, the transparency, things people are talking about in, in the workplace today about you know, all this vulnerability and openness and directness. And yet there, there's still, because what people 
don't address is fear is is that it's emotional and I say emotional it's really mental because you and I and the good folks listening in they spend a lot of time in our minds we do and oftentimes what people will do in a in an unhealthy or toxic environment is they play out all the worst possible scenarios in their mind or they'll always um, I say always they'll often make judgments about what other people's motives are. I know why they said that. I know what they meant by that. Ooh, I know what they were thinking when they put this thing in place. So it's always this second guessing, always this judgmental, always this fear-based. And it's really because they've either A, seen those things play out in a leadership role where there's been um, retribution, there's been some sort of reaction that was excessive. And so in their minds, they play it out or their own insecurities, um, you know, fuel that and all of us have them. And so they can fuel people's unwillingness to have direct and candid interactions with their peers and colleagues and all that. So for healthy cultures, there's lots of uh, openness, candidness, Lots of willingness to go there wherever there is that feels like it may have a risk element to it. In an unhealthy cultures, there's lots of fear. There's lots of insecurity. There's lots of excuses and justification on why things can't, won't, aren't. Uh, and it just and it perpetuates so that you, know, you can go in an organization like that and have individuals who have lots of potentials, but collectively no one is kind of living up to that potential because collectively they've um, created this environment where reaching beyond and taking a chance is just not worth it. You know, there's lots of data, you know, there's lots of common knowledge about people are way more inclined to hold on to what they have than attempt to risk for something. They'd rather not lose than gain. You know, statistics are kind of crazy on that fact. And so in unhealthy cultures, there's a lot of preservation mindset for their own emotional well-being, their own kind of piece of land and plot that they have and wherever they've achieved in business. And in healthy cultures, there's a, a willingness to aspire, a willingness to reach, kind of a willingness to attempt with the possibility of failure and yet because it's a healthy culture that's, you know, it's inherent within it, that that's going to be part of kind of the outcome that plays out when you're taking risks and attempting things beyond yourself. So those are some, I mean, those are, again, it's kind of as much as culture can be defined in so many ways. To me, those are pretty evident or pretty easily noticeable aspects of healthy and unhealthy culture. It doesn't take a lot to diagnose it. What it does take is kind of, you know, the good fortune I have is I get to be an outside person coming into an organization, whereas most people who live inside the organization have a tainted view or perspective that's so limited to their, their reference point that they may not interpret things accurately across the board. And so, um, but it's a, but it's a, it's not difficult to assess healthy or unhealthy 
with just a few sampling points from a few different locations, a few different, you know, uh, job elements, or even just on where they are in the org chart, kind of what they're doing, that you can you can get a sense of healthy and unhealthy culture. Yeah. So what if a leader then, so kind of starts to recognize this, see so this, some of those uh, behaviors you kind of described, finally comes to terms with that, then what can they possibly do to really upgrade that uh, operating system to have it be more one that's intentional, more more lines of what you describe as a healthy one? Oh man, there's, there's all kinds of things. I mean, it, I say all kinds of things. There's several depending on where they're at on the, in the org chart. Cause it, yeah, I'm, I'm a proponent of two aspects. You and I can create a healthy culture within the department or team we work with. You know, if I work with people who aren't on an executive leadership team, who aren't VPs, who aren't, steering the ship, if you will. And so they feel powerless. You know, I'm a proponent of ownership and I talk a lot about an ownership culture and and creating that kind of thing where you, you're responsible for you. You can do, you can make decisions for you. You can kind of carry your own weather system. You can carry your own platform. And um, so if it's, if they don't have access to leadership that has influence organization wide, then they get really intentional about their own department, which I, I always, I've got a message about fashion and culture of greatness and their four pillars of any um, healthy culture is honor, excellence, significance, and identity. And so I talk about how in your department, you know, you can honor, you don't need anybody's approval to honor people. And honor is such kind of a reserve, feels like such a reserved attribute that we only honor people for, you know, being around a long time, achieving a certain thing. And yet, and yet we can create an environment where we're at, if we will honor people having a commitment to excellence and you're not going to go through that. But, but so in, in that you can, you take the first steps towards implementing that. Now, let's say if you're on the leadership team, um, I always recommend people get Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage. It is it is the a handbook. Like if it's the handbook, mm-hmm. if you want to impact your culture, buy that book for everyone on your leadership team. Go through it. Do what it says. End of story. Mm-hmm. It's just so <laughs> excellent, and, yeah, ha- it and it's just such a workbook for mindfully. Um, digging in and finding out who you are and then committing to who you want to be in a really practical way. Um, And so, you know, do it. So then having that conversation that says, Hey, I, I believe because of X, Y, and Z behavior, we're creating an environment where people are fear-based. People aren't willing to share their ideas because, um, there's, you know, the, the leadership on that in that team is always snuffing them out, crushing their spirit, telling them no. So, so I recognize these things. Let's um, let's do something about it, you know. And so from there, you know, they can call us. We I can happily talk them through, come be a resource, or then get Lencioni's book, um, because it is a process to say we're going to intentionally do that. It, it's I say it's a quick diagnosis, but it's a healthy process to um, 
go through that discovery, let multiple people on multiple levels have a say in how it's articulated. And it really is. It's funny. I'm working with a client right now who I've been working with since 2013, where we went through the discovery process, articulated the values, and, and we're looking at things again. And there's changes been made in leadership and, and they've gone through the usual things people go through. And so there's kind of this, hey, we want to kind of add on another value. <laughs> like, And I'm still very active with it. I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. You can't predetermine, here's what we want one of our values to be. Let's just put it and then everyone will align with it. it it doesn't work that way. It's literally the process that gives the potency to the values that you end up um, describing as who you are. And so I was like, I'm not opposed to kind of going through that journey again. I think we could probably shorthand it a little, but you can't predetermine. I mean, that's the you can't say, here's what we want to end up saying our values are. And that that's what happens in most unhealthy cultures is somebody in leadership says, I think we should say customer service and excellence and, um, you know, doing right every time our values and it's just handed down. And because nobody's gone through the process, there hasn't been people involved at all levels across the across the spectrum. There's just no buy in. And there literally will never be. It's not a mandated kind of thing. And so being committed to being willing to go through a process is kind of how you codify these are really who we are and who we will commit to continue to be and we'll filter all of our future decisions through that. You're asking short questions and I'm giving you lots of long answers, man. <laughs> They're awesome answers though. So thank you so much. Sorry I appreciate about that. It. No, that was really good stuff. No, I think that was fantastic and a great, um, a great way for leaders to approach this and think about it. Yeah, it almost needs to be like um, like something like, I don't know if finance is the right thing, but I mean, something that we revisit all the time, you know, but it's like it, nobody in their organization looks at their money like once every few years and says, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, they're just constantly staring at it and like, oh, my gosh, where can we move it around and make it work better for us? And how can we budget it out and, and stuff like that? So, yeah, culture, you can't just look at every now and then. And not have everyone be involved in the process. So that's that's so funny. And that's that's potentially probably how it has worked for a long time. It continues to happen. I mean, probably in the grand majority. I don't know if you think that's true, that it's, it's still a majority of organizations. That's kind of sort of how like the cultural tone is set. Is like, we're going to do this. No one else is involved. So it's just kind of like goes back to whatever it was default wise, that everybody kind of just can, keeps acting and doing whatever they need to do just to get the job done. Um, but do you think there's still a majority of organizations that don't, uh, don't do it this way? And, and there's still a lot to learn about culture. Do you think? I do. Um, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot, you know, that I get to travel and speak a lot and go see a lot of different places. And there's a lot of business out there. There are a lot of, you know, so there are people who are doing things well and there are people who are doing things poorly and they're, they're both succeeding in business and sometimes, and sometimes not, you know, and so I, I, for me, I've been fortunate that there's a continual awareness of people who want to get better. And, and sincerely, I, like most organizations, they really want the best for their people. They want the best for their clients. They want to generate the most profits they can. They want to, for the most part, um, try to 
create, have an environment that's decent. You know, nobody's intentionally going, we're just going to have a sucky workplace because we just think that's fun. You know, nobody does that intentionally. And so it's, it's always accidental, but it's usually just a misappropriation of priorities or a real miss on understanding the, the uh, enablement a healthy culture creates in uh, facilitating high performance because it's almost mm-hmm. in places that don't have healthy cultures that I talking about that conversation about going through a process, it feels like it's taking away or they'll interpret like, we just don't have time for that. We just can't allocate those people in that time and dedicate that kind of thing. And, you know, so they're living without margin and they're, and they don't understand that, that it's a total investment. Like it'll exponentially increase every, everybody's efforts and creates a, a synergy that, multiplies save time and really produces so much more on the other side because of the way people then work together. It's just hard for them to see that. And so it's not like they go, Hey, we're just going to intentionally keep it crappy. It's just that we just don't, we just don't see how we could not do what we're doing. Or, you know, some people are just like, we, we just can't even pull away for a couple hours. You know, people that just never go take lunches, people that a whole organization's culture where you just you don't take a vacation because it's looked down upon. Or it's like, geez, don't you care about the company? You're going to go be with your family for a week and not answer your email. Yeah, so those places like they certainly exist, um, and people work in them, you know, sometimes happily, or they're a facilitator of it, or that's all they know. You know, it's kind of like any family. You get up, you you leave home, and you go see, man, there's a lot of other people who do this different than we did it. And when you live in mm-hmm. it for so long, you just think, well, this is just the only way it can really work. So, Yep. That's exactly what happened to me <laughs> until I met my wife and their family. <laughs> yeah. I uh, realized there was a totally different way to do it. And that's like probably with most workplace organizations, too. I, that's so funny you mentioned that because I literally just spent time with an organization yesterday that – does prioritize this and wants to do this right. And they're just super busy all the time. And we started breaking down exactly what's, what's taking all their time. And it was all of these little like micro interactions that easily could be handled with just clarity of like how they should behave and how they should operate. Like just being more clear about their human operating system. And so when we finally broke it down. They're all just looking dumbfounded at each other. Like, Oh my gosh, how do we let it get to this? You know, like why, why do we let this happen to us? And um, so good for them to finally recognizing it. Um, I think most organizations probably need to do that. And I love like um, Bill Gates, like recent quotes that was kind of pretty popular for a time. I think people are still referencing it. He said, uh, busy is the new stupid. And that kind of resonated with me as you were talking that, uh, yeah, busyness it has been for a long time kind of that indication of success no matter what we're doing in whatever parts of our life including and especially like work life organizational life but it's not necessarily when you step back and look at it and you look at like is all of this actually like helping us to have a healthy environment and a healthy um you know business that is sustainable over time and most times people can't actually say that if they actually took the time to step back and look at it so yeah, it's pretty pretty resonating in what you just said there. Um, yeah, so what else are you working on then on this front? Uh, anything else you got in the hopper? I, I don't want to ask you the question specifically about books or anything like that. I don't know if people have asked you that about that, but other projects you're working on in terms of uh, kind of advancing this message? You know, I'm revisiting how to 
create video content. I mean, I've got a, I've just had my, I've got a, my home office is slash studio. And so I can record things in here. I have, a, I took a run at it bef- at the end of the summer. Um, and then my September and October were literally jam packed. I was gone every week for about eight weeks, two or three nights, which was a really unusual pace for me. I don't, I don't normally do that. We just had a ton of business. It's just a great conference season, uh, September and October. And that's, I do a lot of, you know, conferences speaking. And so, um, so it shut down, unfortunately. And I was like, Oh, I know the value of consistency. And, and I, I enjoy it because I, I do a weekly where I write weekly and I send out a, and it's more personal, it's personal, professional, but it's not about organizational culture. And so the shaping environments video was intended to be about how we think about certain things. And so I just had my friend uh, Rebecca over, she's, she owns a business herself, a staffing company. And so we just talked for like 90 minutes. And I recorded the whole thing and we're chopping it up and I'm distributing a little bit. And so I'm like, you know, what? I, I like interacting with people. I, I mean, I can do a talking head thing, you know, all day long as well. But there's a real dynamic that I benefit from, just like we're talking here. And you're just like, oh, you know what that makes me think of? And it prompts things and you thought so it wouldn't have. And so I'm so I've got a few other friends. I've got a handful of folks that are local that I'm like, I think I could benefit from them coming over us just starting a dialogue about it and and just kind of see what comes from it. And Rebecca, this gal that I've done this first one with, I we she's just such a smart individual. I told her I was like, "We should do this like every other month where we just get together, we just talk about business, talk about her business, my business, and kind of see what comes out of it." Um that I think has value. So that's that's the latest and greatest um thought that I have going on and I'm working to capture, get a new website built. And so I'm in that process right now. Like my travel is much, is much more reduced November, December. So that's when I put all my energies into the business, you know, of the business. And so that, that's where I'm at right now. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm not, I literally have one flight be, between now and the end of the year. And so I'm like, I got to get to dig deep on the things I'm trying to accomplish because I'm not the best um, I don't get a ton of work done when I travel, except, you know, just being with the client, being on site, kind of being of mind there. Right. So that's, right. That's something happening. That, that I'm, I'm excited about video and I like, I like the information and the inspiration that comes from it. Um, and I like when, you know, having friends that I can banter around with that you just don't know what will come from it that could create value or just create a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was wondering, so that makes total sense then. Cause I was wondering, you were doing video for get a chunk of time. And then I said, where'd Greg go? Like I loved all this stuff because I'm just so charismatic <laughs> and that makes total sense. And I was like, it, consistency is so critical. Like, and I know this, like I've been my writing, I'm coming up on four years, every Saturday morning, I get up from 5am to 9am, I write, and then it sends out Sunday morning at 5am. And so I'm on like number 200 this, to, this, this week, I'll be writing this 200 to one of those. And so I'm like, I am committed to consistency. And so when I went in that, and so the funny story is um, I, I'll, I, I could throw my son under the bus who I, I'll try not to, but I had, a, I had an alternative plan 
for the two months that I was gone because I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on some golden content about organizational culture with about 20, nobody knows this. I'm, you know, I'm told this too. I mean, uh, my family knows that I've, I did this. I had aspired to create an online summit and I'm really great at good ideas and starting strong. It's the dang finishing that kills me. And so I've got like 22 different Zoom video conversations that are each 20 minutes long with literally world-class players from around the world, five different continents I have, and then some really killer people here in the States who work with culture. It's crazy great content. I've had it for over a year. I never got the summit off the ground, so I'm sitting on it. So my hope was that when I disappeared in September and October, I I was going to chop those up and have those um, distributed. That did not happen. So that that was the plan to keep my presence and the and the consistency. So I had a plan, just didn't get executed. Greg, don't hold out on us. The world needs this. Listen, it is it is <laughs> so good. I'm not kidding. It's like oh, I, I do need to get it out because it's ridiculous. Like some of the conversations, like they they changed my life. Wow! So the, the way of thinking about what we're talking about it was it was literally revelationary, revelation, wow. revelatory. It was revelation in some, and so wow, that was super Can't cool. We- and listen, the diversity of characters that I talked to. It's just so good. Like, so I'm like, I, I'm like, I've got to get this out. And so like, <clears throat> I was going to do like a whole platform, you know, where you sign up and it's a virtual conference and like every day there'll be however many you can, you can log in and watch whatever. It's a totally free thing. And so I had the whole back end put together and um, there was, there's a couple pieces. There's a couple pieces in play that, um, that did not, uh, that we just had issues, issues with. And so, so it stalled it. I ramped it up one more time. I had another significant issue and dang it. I love obstacles, but this one thwarted me. It stumped me. And so now I'm just sitting on it. So I'm like, oh, I got to figure out something good to do with this because the world does need to hear what these genius people have to say. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty awesome. I can't wait to hear it. It's, that's excited for it. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I guess we can wind this down. Uh, is there um, anything else you want to share, or uh, where also where can people you know find you, connect with you, hire you, learn more about you, that, all that stuff? Uh, yeah, the best place is hawksagency.com. It's Pretty simple. My last name, Hawks, H-A-W-K-S, agency, A-G-N-C-Y.com. And then I hang out on LinkedIn quite a bit. And you just put Greg Hawks in and I'll pop up. Uh, those are the two best places to kind of see who I am, see what I'm about, and um, go from there. I mean, I'm on all the social media sites and all that business as well. So 
But those are my favorite places to connect, you know, and I just, I hope as people listen to it, they just, whatever, whatever frustration or disheartenment they have about their work environment, they kind of take a twofold approach. What can I do personally in my own little area to make that, that space healthier? And then what do, um, I want to communicate upline that challenges in an appropriate way to see if we could get some movement on being more mindful about creating healthy environment. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. This has been fantastic conversation and just love the, the way you're taking culture and our thoughts about culture. And yeah, just so appreciative of your time today. So Greg Hawks, everybody, thanks so much for joining us here at the Workplace uh, Warrior podcast. And uh, to all of you out there, just as Greg said, just uh, keep up the good fights of owning what you can do in workplace and uh, make it the best that we possibly can. Thanks so much, everybody.